Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? That was like half-hearted. I was like, let's try that. Yeah, I know we're in the middle of COVID still and all that kind of stuff, but we can still shout, right? So how's everybody doing today? Let's give it up. That's what I want to hear. Well, as you've heard already, we're in a new series. It's actually part B. And um, I don't know about you guys, but this whole last, actually three or four or five months, whatever, I don't even know how long it's been right now, has messed everything up, hasn't it? It's like, it's crazy. And uh, last September, um, I felt like God gave me an idea um, something that we've never done here at Journey before. We usually do three or four week series, little small blocks, and we make those things really important and we talk about them and we nestle them all together in a thing we call a series. But I've never in 30 years of ministry, now 17 years at Journey, but 30 years of ministry, I've never done a series that's like a whole chunk of scripture. And so as I was praying last September, we're getting ready for our staff retreat. I was praying and I actually uh, went to that block of scripture, Matthew chapter five through Matthew chapter seven. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, how cool would it be that we took the very things that Jesus taught, right? Because that's what these are. These are sermons that Jesus used. Jesus taught his disciples. He was uh, speaking to religious leaders and scribes and Pharisees. If we took those same things and we just took a big block, a big chunk out of it and talked about it here at Journey. Well, it didn't work out the way we thought it was gonna work out because COVID hit. And so we started right away doing them online, right? And so you, some of you probably watched them. Some of you probably didn't watch them. It's just part of the way things went. And so it's one of those deals where, here's the encouragement. We have everything videotaped, so I would go back and catch up to all of those because we left off the Sermon on the Mount, a really cool place, okay? So I'm gonna kind of pick up uh, in a second where we kind of left off, but the week before we closed church down, Lindsay came up, one of our worship leaders, and she spoke on prayer. She, she spoke on talking with the Father and the relationship we have with the Father, and it's easy to talk to somebody when you have a relationship with them and so our Father wants us to have that kind of relationship. And we learned all through the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I came off the next week and I started talking about giving to the needy. That's the next uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the things that I've learned from those two, because this is kind of bunched in, what we're gonna talk about today is bunched in with three things, prayer, giving, and this thing called fasting. Now, I'm gonna talk about fasting today, but you can't check out on me right now, okay? We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna challenge us to do it. It's gonna supercharge our life. I believe it's a spiritual discipline. And if we're faith followers of Jesus, I would think that we would all want to put things in our life that would take us to next levels in our life, right? So when we talk about prayer, yes, prayer sometimes doesn't make sense. Uh, God doesn't always answer our prayers when we think he's going to, but we would all say that we, when we've prayed, when God's answered prayers, or even when we don't think he's answered, that they've changed our lives. Giving, if you've ever given, like the thrill that comes, but watching how God works through that and watches, uh, watch how God works through our giving is miraculous. And though today we're going to talk about this thing called fasting, and I have about 30 years of experience in this thing called fasting. So I don't claim to be an expert, um, but today we're gonna share some things. These are things that I've written over 30 years. I'm gonna share some stories today. I just want everybody to know, this is not about me. This is not about how I've done it. It's just stories of people that have talked to me about fasting, stories about how I've fasted and things that God's done. Now, I wanna define kind of a little bit because there's some misnomers about this thing called fasting. Actually, about three years ago, we were getting ready for the 9.30, which I'll explain in a minute. We were getting ready for our 9.30, 
and um, I talked about fasting. And one of the guys that's a, a leader in our church walked up to me and said, Pastor Bob, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, yeah, he goes, I, were, I really think that Jesus or God should have called it something else other than fasting because fasting almost sounds, by definition, sounds like it's going to happen real quick. But every time I've fasted, why don't we call it endurance suffering or something like that? So we're not going to, we're going to call it fasting. And other times I've had people, I had a, a guy walk up to me and said, and he's being honest. And we talk about next steps all the, all the time at Journey. And if you go to any one of our hallways, if you go to our website, if you're down at Sherwood, you see that we talk about next steps. And the next step is anything that leads you or Jesus or you or somebody else closer to Jesus. And so I was talking about next steps, and one of the next steps I said was fasting. And he said, Here, here's the deal, Pastor Bobby. If you tell me that my next step is giving, I am all about it. I'll give. I, I, I feel like that's something that the, the Bible talks a lot about, and I see the benefits. If you tell me that my next step is volunteering, like in children's ministry, or maybe, maybe in student ministry on a Wednesday night, or doing something you know, in, in one of the areas on Saturday, with sec, uh, second Saturday, like I'm all about that. But as soon as you start to talk about fasting, it almost paralyzes me. It almost gets to the place where I get, I get this rumbling in my, because the thought of me giving, I can give up money, I can give up some of my time, but the thought of giving up food for an extended period of time, there is just no way that that's going to happen. Um, I think it was last year, right in the beginning of the 930, I talked about one day, I talked about fasting and what we were doing and how we were doing it. And one of the fathers, one of the people that come to Journey, um, went home and told his family, hey, I want you to know that I'm going to fast. I'm gonna, what Pastor Bobby was challenged us to do, I'm going to fast. And there's a little five-year-old daughter in the house, and the five-year-old daughter screams, no, daddy, you can't go fasting. And she, what's wrong with you? Like, what, what, and she said, everybody that's fasted died. Everybody that's fasted died. And she goes, baby, he goes, baby, there's people all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, and they all fasted, and they all saw great moves of God, and she sat there with her little five-year-old brain and said, and Daddy, they all died. <laughs> Let me make you a promise. You're not going to die immediately from fasting. <laughs> the truth of the matter is we're all going to die at some point, right? The Bible says man's point at one time, then a judgment comes. But this thing, fasting, will supercharge our lives. And so as with prayer, we read, and we're going to read, uh, kind of pick up the message where Jesus picks up this message. All these messages were kind of given to uh, kind, of, kind of show the difference between religion and spirituality. Uh, we have to know the audience he was talking to, like I said, with scribes and Pharisees. They had a form, the Bible says, of godliness. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about whitewashed tombs, that they were like clean on the outside. They looked the part, right? But on the inside, it was decay and it was death. And a lot of times in churches, that's what we, we see in churches even today. We see this hypocrisy. But Jesus says here, first and foremost, that we're not going to do this so people can see it. So if you give, we're not going to do it so people can see it. We're going to pray. You're not going to pound your chest and get up on the well. You're not going to let everybody know I'm praying. And he says the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. So let's kind of pick up the passage, and then we're going to break it all down. He says this in verse 16, and I want you really to notice these first four words because they're really important. And when you fast, not if. Not if somehow or another the preacher guilts you into it or if there's a thing called a 930. It's when you fast. It's indicating that it's supposed to be a spiritual discipline. It's, a, it's something that we as faith followers should be doing on a consistent basis. He says, so when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces 
that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father, and I love this, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And, and other places in the Bible, other translations, it's reward you openly. So you're gonna do these things in secret, and that's why we talk about it all the time. We wanna make Jesus famous. The Bible says when we lift Jesus up, he draws all men to himself. That we're not drawing men to Journey, we're not drawing men to Bobby, we're not drawing men to Justin or Lindsay or any other staffer. We're drawing people to Jesus. And so we, when we do these kind of things, we do them in secret, but ultimately there's a reward, there's something that God does and demonstrates openly. <clears throat> Simply put, fasting is this. Fasting is denying ourselves something we like for a higher purpose. So in the faith of a, of a, of a believer, it's that we're going to give up something, food, maybe, um, maybe like some people I've noticed uh, fasted social media. Some people have done certain types of beverages. So we're going to give up something with a higher purpose, for a higher purpose. I'm going to give this up so I have a connection with the Father, that I want to connect more at our deeper level. So here, bottom line is, you don't have to have classes on this. We're going to do a one teaching. We're going to be able to do this. You guys are going to be experts in fasting by the end of next week. It's going to be amazing. So you can go like, hey, I'm an expert on fasting right now. Don't do that. But it's simply this. You just give up something. You don't eat or you don't get on social media. You do something. And then years past, for 17 years, we've done this. It's called the 930. And, and it's, it's really cool. If you guys, it's a really spiritual thing. The nine is the September and the 30 is there's 30 days in September. Isn't that really spiritual? Isn't that amazing? And that's the only way I know that September has 30 days, by the way, because of our 930. Just, it's amazing to me. But what we do as a faith community, as an entire church, we decide that we're going to give up something and we're going to do it with the idea that we're going to connect with the Father. And every time we've done this 930, what's happened is we've seen God move on the other end of it. October, November, December, we've had great staff hires. We've had great things happen in this church. We've bought some of the buildings. We started building. We never do anything. It's interesting because we never do anything around here without a time of prayer and fasting. But it's based on this one concept right here. So we see God move in an amazing way. And what we do is every day we have, um, through our app, we push out scriptures and uh, challenges and things we're praying for. So I'd encourage you, if you're not on our app, get on our app and you'll be able to kind of follow us along. But for this purpose today, we're just going to talk about just, just the concept of fasting. Not so much 930 uh, or what we do, but just fasting. And I'm going to give you four kind of things when you fast. Because if Jesus said, when you fast, I feel like it's okay for me to say when you fast, that I'm assuming everybody's going to do this as part of spiritual disciplines in our life. Are we, are we good on all that right now? Everybody good? So here's the first thing. When you fast, you need to watch your motives. And it's interesting because you need to go back to the people group that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to scribes and Pharisees. They were religious people that were putting on a form of godliness. They were putting on a form. They, they wanted everybody to see how spiritual they were, but on the inside, they weren't very spiritual. It was just all about appearance. And people go, well, we don't have that kind of people today. Well, I, I want to I I just kind of argue that point for a second because there's a tension in the world because I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy in the, in the church today. There's a lot, as a matter of fact, People, people leave churches over hypocrisy. People don't go back to churches over hypocrisy because people say one thing and they do an exact opposite. It's like this. I know people that are absolutely sold on recovery, Christian recovery, celebrate recovery right here. They're not people from our church. Okay, but I know people, they are sold out. They would never allow an ounce of liquor or, or, or wine or whatever to touch their lips. But what they will do, they'll drink from the well of gossip like you will not believe. 
And so they, they have a form of godliness. It seems like they're doing all these things really, really well. Like I, I've got all my stuff together. I got all my crap together. But over here, you see, that's who Jesus was talking about. And there's other people that will never have a problem. If I was to take up an offering, receive an offering right now for beautiful feet or for a special need, there's people in this room right here, there's people in churches all over the United States, they would not have an issue about pulling out dollar bills or $50 bills or $100 or, or stroking a big check to take care of somebody. But they have no issue backbiting against their neighbor. They have no, they have no problem. So there's this, there's this tension that, that Jesus is trying to talk through. And he's going, listen, I know you, you feel like you're spiritual and these are spiritual staples of our faith, but you're doing them for all the wrong reasons and you're not going to get the maximum out of it. We have to check our motives. And so this thing called fasting, it's equally, it's almost more important because it's one of those deals. I've seen it. So I'm going to be as honest as I can be with you guys. A couple years ago here at Journey, we did a 930. We did the thing in September. And as we were doing it, I remember saying, hey, why don't we get people to post what they're fasting? So this is me, right? So let's get people to post what they're fasting. So we started it out, like, you know, I'm fasting a whole day, or I'm fasting, some people are fasting coffee. Like, this, they're the most spiritual people in our church. <laughs> and if you can fast coffee, go. Go, like, I, throwing the God stuff, okay? But so some, some, some people were fasting, like, like, like I, I, did, I usually do seven days and seven days. So I do the first seven days, I just eat dinner, and the last seven days of September, and that's kind of what I do. But... So we were having people post stuff, right? And one of our staff members said, this is kind of backwards a little bit. This is kind of, why, why are we doing that? Because like the Bible says we do this in secret. And so we immediately took the post down because we we're like, we did not, that was not our, our intentions. Anything that draws attention to ourselves is a bad motive. And we don't want, especially in our 930 when we're doing spiritual disciplines, we don't want our, our motives to be coming out. We, you know, and, and let me tell you another motive that's really bad in the, in the church world. I've heard this. I've seen this. I'm going to lose some weight. This is not for weight loss. Like fasting works for, I know, I know a lot of people are doing intermittent fasting. That's great. But that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is really to connect with the Father. But just to show you that it, this is an age-old problem, it's an age-old tension, Zechariah says this in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. He says, say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned, watch this, for the fifth month and the seventh month, for 70 years, for 70 years, could you imagine doing something for 70 years? And then he says this, was it for me that you fasted or was it for you? Could you imagine that question in the world we live in? Why did you give? Was it for me or was it for you? Why, why did you? why do you serve so people can see you or is it so, so people can see me? Why is it that you're fasting so you can pound your chest and everybody thinks you're a super spiritual giant or is there, is there something? Are you really trying to connect with the Father? And so we've got to really try to figure out what our motives are. And fasting is not an, to impress anyone. Let's go back to that one little line in Matthew chapter six, which we want to kind of jump over because we don't ever think that we may be in that category. But it says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they, they disfigure their faces, that their faces or their fasting may be seen by others. So truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And it was great. I had a conversation between service, a guy that's never fasted before, and he's one of our uh, small group leaders in our church, and he works with our student ministry. As a matter of fact, he says, Bobby, like, I've been, and he's been here for a long time. He's probably been here since 2008. He said, I've never fasted before. He said, I'm, I'm afraid to fast. Like, but can you just tell me? Like, I'm not going to post it online. I'm not gonna. He goes, I was even afraid to come up to you and, and tell you that I was going to fast because of what you said. Today. That's not what he's talking about there. He's talking about when you, you post the picture on, on, on Facebook and you go, by the way, I just want you all to know, fasting. 
this guy right here. Who's, who's fasting this week? This guy right here. That's, that's, it's not like you can't share. Like We share in the office all the time. Hey, how are you doing? Like, is God spoke? And at the end of September, I'll ask every staff person, what has God spoke to you through this 930? We come through here on, I think it's what day is it? Mondays or Thursdays, we come in here for prayer and worship. Thursdays, we come in here for Thursday. And every Thursday, we have a devotion. Okay, what is God teaching you through? So it's not a matter of not telling people what to do. It's, it's a matter of when we, we, we bring attention to this guy right here. So we wanna make sure that our motives are right. And it appears, so, and one of the reasons that Jesus is saying this, just to be quite honest with you, is the scribes and the Pharisees on Mondays and Thursdays, they would go to the, go to the, the market because the market was open on Mondays and Thursdays. And so they would go to the market because the market was open on Mondays and Thursdays. And what's at the market when it's open on Mondays and Thursdays? Lots of people, right? And so they would get out there and they go, hey, by the way, he said, don't do that. But we have a great illustration. We have a great biblical precedent of why to fast and how to fast the right way. It's one of my favorite passages. I've been reading this passage for 30 years in light of fasting. And I want you to think about this. Can I plant a thought in your mind? Like this this is a thought. Like if I tell you to look at every white Dodge that's out on the road today, you know what you'll see? Every white Dodge is out on the road. You've never noticed another white Dodge out there, but today you'll notice a white Dodge out there. If I tell you every Mexican restaurant, which is on every corner, it's just like churches in Augusta. If I, you're gonna, you're gonna think about, I wanna plant a thought in reference to the framework of what our world is going through right now. And tell me that this scripture right here doesn't apply to exactly what's going on right now. Think about the racial tension, think about COVID, think about all the problems in our country, think about the the dishonesty that goes on in the political world, think about all the, the shackles that people are holding and how people feel like they're held captive by certain things. Think about this passage and how it relates, okay? So are we ready? Isaiah chapter 58, verse six. Is this not the fast that I've chose? Meaning this, Zacharias said, is this one really for me? Because I don't think it's for me. He's going, this is the one I want you to do. This is how you do this thing called fasting. He said, is this not the fast that I've chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Does that resonate with anybody here? I mean, you don't have to turn on the TV anymore to see wickedness. We can see wickedness going up and down the road. We can see it when they had the rally down here and how some people thought it was okay to to throw and hurl accusations at people. Or the thing that happened in Bilo when they strapped a little African-American baby doll to a back of a car. The, the Bible says that the hearts of men are waxing colder and colder and colder and colder. And we can see it in every area of our culture, can't we? I had a little, just a little tidbit of this. This past week, I went to, uh, to Walmart. I had to go get something at Walmart. So I go into Walmart and they have a sign now that just says, please wear your face mask. It may even say that it's mandatory right now, okay? So, and I think Kroger's doing it. I think Public's doing it. I have no problem. So, so this guy walks in, and this little girl, this little, I say girl, she was 18 years old. She's just doing her job, right? You hear me on this? She's just doing her job. She gets pay, paid a little bit more than minimum wage just to do her job, not to put up with all our crap, just to do her job. And she's, thank you for coming. I mean, I'm just like, I'm, like, thank you for coming to Walmart. Can you do me a favor? Can you just put your mask on? And this guy flipped out. And I'm talking about flipped out over a piece of mask, a material. Like, come on. I, I didn't ask you to bow to Satan. I didn't ask you to, you know, like, 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 like Clemson or anything. I just, it was a piece. I, I was going to say Alabama, but there's a big guy in this room that's an Alabama fan. He'd come up on the stage and take care of business. So, but you know what I'm talking about? So I, I turned to the guy because I, I felt bad for it. And I do not like it when people... Like, I, I just don't like, you don't belittle other people to make yourself look bigger. And I was just like, hey, dude, it's just a mask. Just put the mask on. Just put the stupid mask on. And he goes, you want to fight about it? 
I'm like, I will whoop your tail. I didn't say that, but I thought it in my mind. I got old man strength. And so I'm like, I'll take you down. So I said, man, just put the mask on. He said, nobody's going to tell me to put a mask on. I said, hey, dude, you got shoes on, don't you? Yeah. Why do you got shoes on? Because the sign says no shoes, no shirt, no service. Just put the, put the mask on. I walked around Walmart for a few minutes, and then I walked out, and who's following me out? Like he wants to fight me. And I'm like, dude, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that either. Y'all on the south side know what I'm talking about, right? But like, we're getting angry over stupid stuff nowadays, y'all. We're, we're wanting to fight, that's evil in the world. So when Isaiah says that, I'm going, oh my goodness, he's talking about right now. He's talking about this stuff that's going on. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share? And now watch this. Then he goes, okay, to break it. Then he goes, because there's a bigger purpose. It's love, it's love thy neighbor as yourself. It's the stuff that we talk about here all the time. It's about taking care of people. It's about the Operation Backpack. It's about what we do in, 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 you know, when we do the presents. It's all that stuff. He says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring homeless, the homeless poor into your house? And when you see the naked to cover and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light, watch this, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then it says, then you will call and the Lord will, what's that say? Answer. You know, it's funny how many times I have people go, man, I just wish the, the Lord would answer my prayer. I just wish the Lord would do something. I wish, a, you know what I think? I think when we start doing staples of our faith, God will start answering us. When we start doing the things that God's asked to do, pray, you know, and it's funny because I have this argument a lot of times with a lot of friends of mine. Don't let me forget I'm on verse nine. I'm getting ready to go to verse nine, right? Because I have a lot of squirrel moments. And so, but I, I'm having this conversation just this past week. And the guy said, Pastor Bobby, I really feel like you need to get up there and preach about how we're supposed to, you know, be militant in our, in our, in our world and how we should get the Ten Commandments back on the, on, on, on the, the Supreme Court. And we should get Ten Commandments in our schools and we should get prayer back in our schools. And that would answer all the questions. And I said, man, you know what? I think you're wrong. I said, none of that's going to happen until we get the Ten Commandments and prayer back in our houses. And that's not the school's job. That's not your teacher's job. That's not the school board's job. That's not a government official's job. That's your job. It's your job to teach your kids the Ten Commandments. It's your job to teach your kids what prayer looks like. It's your job. And so when it says that, that freedom will rise, and then, verse 9, you shall call the Lord, will answer, will cry out, here I am. And it says, if you take away the yoke in the midst of pointing the finger, it says, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. Verse 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water does not fail. Man. So there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And we need to be doing it, obviously, the right way. Here's the second thing I want us to all to get. When you fast, and you're gonna go, Bobby, that seems so ridiculous. Focus on God. Can I be honest with you? The first probably, I don't know, eight or 10 times I ever fasted, so 30 years into this, the first eight or 10 times, you know what I was focused on? How hungry I was. <laughs> or what I was gonna break my fast with. 
Like I would sit there, like I would fast from a dinner time to the next dinner, and the whole day I'm thinking, oh, we're having steak tonight, and I can't wait for that steak tonight. That potato's gonna be really good with cheese and sour cream and put some bacon bits on that joker right there and maybe some fresh you know, salad and I'm gonna put some Vidalia onion. I was thinking about all those things and I, I was like, God, why are you not speaking to me? Because I wasn't, I wasn't connecting. I wasn't, the very thing I was supposed to be doing with my fasting and my prayer, I wasn't doing. I was thinking about myself. So we need to fast. When we fast, John Piper says it like this, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness of God. It's a homesickness for God. It's about God. And so if we make it about God, then all of a sudden there's going to be a connection. If we make it about everything else, it's going to be about everything else. I'll tell you, let me give you a couple of benefits of fasting. When we ask for direction, this is one of the primary areas when I need direction for my life, when I need direction for the church, when I need a, you know, there's a leadership call that has to be made. Like if we were going to, when we got ready to close the church down, one of the first things I said, hey, can we fast about this? Can we pray about this? Can we talk through this? Can we make sure that we have the mind of God? Because I didn't want to react to something when we shouldn't have been reacting. And it was, it was so cool because God started confirming. Well, that's all throughout the Bible. When, when there's a major decision in your life, whether it's a job or a relationship or if, you know, moving to another city or, or whatever it is, it should be done. It should be accompanied by prayer and fasting. We should be connecting with the Father. Acts 13.2 says this, and I love this passage. They were looking for leaders in the church. Just like every other church, the original church was looking for leaders. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said. That's what we sang about today. You remember that? We were singing about Holy Spirit. Unless you want me to move, I'm not moving. Unless you want me to go, I'm not going. If you're not here, I'm not staying here. You only get that when you're doing some type of spiritual connection. And we, we, we see it in fasting. So he says, while they were worshiping the Lord in fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Leaders in the church. Well, I can tell you this. There is never a decision in this church that our elders and staff don't do some type of fasting. And there again, like I said, if it's hiring somebody, if it's you know, relieving somebody of their duties here, whatever it is, it's always a company because it's a precedent in the Bible that he speaks to us through. And, it's, and then with that comes decision-making and discerning. Anybody ever have a really tough decision to make? Nobody? Like a job maybe, or maybe school, what school you're gonna go to, or maybe what you're gonna do with the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe is that relationship really where God, what, not your married relationship, the other way. Like, is that, the really, is that really God where you want me to be? Like, is that, is that who you want me to pursue? Is that the relationship? Well, did you ever think about this? Wouldn't you like a little bit of extra source of confirmation? Like the Holy Spirit going, hey, yes, that's a good one. Or, hey, no, that's not a good one. I, I, I love it when people go, I, I love it when people go, I made this decision and I went this direction and it just, it was a failure. And I'll go, what did God tell you? Well, I didn't even think about asking God. Uh, how, how do we not ask God about the most important things in our life? How, how do we not ask God to go, okay, is this what you want me to do with my life? Is this where you want me to go? Is this, is this, is this, is this something that's, that's worthwhile? Is it gonna take me to a place you want me to be? Now, in the, here, let me just throw something out. If, you, if you're in a process of a decision right now, and if you don't know the right decision, fasting will help you with God's decision. It'll help you get a decision that'll be based on scripture. And here's the other thing that I've learned. There's times in my life where I know the decision and I know the decision's been made and I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't feel like I have the strength or the power to execute that plan. It's, it, it, that's where fasting comes into. God, give me the strength to make the next two or three moves I need to make. I mean, that next move of just getting out of the boat, God, I can't do this thing on my own. I need your help. So that's another thing that fasting helps with. 
And also, if you want to know the big truth, fasting is an act of worship. It's something we do just like we pray and we sing and we give and we take communion. It's just as important as those things. As a matter of fact, in Luke, we read about a a story about an elderly widow named Anna. In Luke chapter two, verse 37, it says, "Then, then as the widow until, or then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. Those are the three things she did. So fasting is equally as important as us singing songs. It's equally as important as when we pray. And so why don't more of us do it if it's that kind of, and I think that's part of the reason that a lot of us feel stuck in our spiritual life. That we haven't, getting, we haven't been supercharged into the next level of our faith because we've, we've taken out one of the staples of our faith and we're not doing it. Here's another thing. When you fast, not only connect with God, but use it as a time of reflection. And what I really mean, use it as a time to be self-aware of what's going on in your life. Sit back. Last year, we did a series called Search Me. I told you in uh, June, July, and August, I took the whole summer and I read that one passage of scripture that David sang, search me, search me, search me. It was accompanied by prayer. And I realized through those moments of prayer and fasting, when I was sitting by my boat praying, that there were some things in me that needed to be searched. There were some things in me that weren't real, kind of like, I would never want you guys to see those things. There were some things that, man, that like, you know, like, God forbid it was ever exposed. And I'm not talking about like gross, gross. I'm just talking about stuff that I would be embarrassed about, that, uh, that a faith follower, a leader of Christ, they just shouldn't be participating or be about. It's interesting because I have a group of guys that I used to hang out with that we, we would fish and hunt. And you know what started happening? I started realizing, and, and, and playing golf too with them, I started realizing I didn't think their jokes were nearly as bad as they used to be. Like I become callous to a lot of stuff. And I never found myself saying those words or thinking those things, but I found myself accepting those things. And it was in those moments right there that I had to become self-aware. And that's why when I started saying, search me, God, search me for the little things in my life. It's, it's easy. The big ones are really easy, aren't they? Everybody notices. They're, they glare. They're, 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 wow, it's right there. But the little things in our lives. Look for areas that need work. And this is a time that you can ask, ask God for help. Fasting, simply put, you may want to write this down. It, 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 fasting proves that you mean business. Remember what we said? It, it's, it's not doing something for the sake of something else. And, and it shows that we need, hey, when David repented, remember this? When David repented of the sin with Bathsheba and all that mess happened, I talked about last, uh, two weeks ago, Psalm 51, he wrote the 51st Psalm. It says that his repentance was accompanied by fasting. We see it all through the Bible. When Daniel, Daniel had a horrible situation he was in. Remember, we had King Nebuchadnezzar and they were putting little kids in the fiery furnace and they were trying to burn them all up and they wanted them to eat all the stuff that, that was against the Jewish ritual. And at the end of that, he starts preaching and the whole nation repents. But it says the whole nation repents and they start to fast together. Y'all remember the story? We talked about it several months ago, the story of Jonah. You know, he gets thrown out of the boat, remember that? And he gets eaten by big fish, right? Well, at the end, he preaches. He finally goes, he, do, he, you know, he wants to go to Tarshish. He gets thrown up on the, on, on the banks and then he starts preaching. And you know what it says? Because of repentance, because of his preaching, they start repent, repenting and it says they, they were fasting. And so fasting is a sign of repentance. It's interesting because I've been reading the book of Joel lately and the culture, if you go back in the history, the culture sounds a lot like it is today. Lots of upheaval, lots of problems, lots of political unrest, lots of tension going on. And in Joel, this is what it says in, the, in Joel. It says, and I'm gonna read this from the message. He said, and this, he's talking about church now. He's not talking about 
And it's interesting. He's not talking about the world or the political system. He's talking about church, this place right here. He says, nothing's going on. <laughs> nothing's going on in the place of worship. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Jesus walking up the aisle and going, hey, by the way, Bobby, nothing is going on in this place. And he says this, no offerings, no prayers, nothing. Declare a holy fast, call a special meeting, get the leaders together, round up everyone in the country, get them into God's sanctuary for serious prayer to God. Now, when I was reading that, I realized this. There's times as a nation, there's times as church, there's times as staff that we need to call a, call a holy fast. And we need to say, there's nothing going on. There's, we need God to intervene. And just to be quite honest with you, I think it's today. I think our world is messed up. And I think we're trying to do all these natural things to combat a spiritual problem. Did y'all just hear me? I don't think the problem that's going on in our world, I don't think COVID, I don't think racial, intention, I, don't think, I don't think any of that. The Bible says that this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities in high places. It tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not, they're not carnal things, they're, they're spiritual things. And we're, we're trying to deal with a, with a culture, we're trying to deal with a culture, a spiritual battle with a real enemy, and we're trying to deal with them with natural things. And so maybe just like in the, in the book of Joel, maybe it's time that we call a holy fast. We say, okay, we're gonna, on behalf of our, our city, on behalf of our, our, our state, on behalf of our schools, on behalf of this country, that, that there's a faith community that's gonna say, you know something, we're gonna get serious with God and we're gonna fast and we're gonna pray and we expect God to do something. I, I love this. I don't know if you know this. Abraham Lincoln, back in 1863, he was the president of the United States. He declared April 30, 30th as the day of fasting, prayer, and repentance. And this is what he said. And think about this in the world we live in. It is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that with genuine, genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. Intoxicated, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to a God that made us. We have grown in numbers, we have grown in wealth, we have grown in power as no other nation has grown, but we have forgotten God. That's the United States, by the way. That's the United States. And it's not up to the world. We have, we have got to stop Asking non-Christian people to ask like Christian when Christian people barely act like Christian people. It's time that we rise up and we start doing faith things, that we start standing in the gap and interceding for the world we live in. <laughs> Speaking of interceding, that's another thing that fasting does. It's actually interceding for somebody else. I have friends of mine that have gone on fast for their families because the family was going south, and all of a sudden, God started doing supernatural things. Psalms 35 says it like this. I love it. But I, when they were sick, not when I was sick, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed at my chest. I did these things because of an act of worship, as an act of interceding for somebody. Here's what I'm learning. You can't fast to change others, but you can fast to ask God to intervene for others. That's important. Let me give you the last thing. When you fast, when you fast, remember, it's a spiritual discipline. It's not, it's not a logistical ritual. So years ago, uh, 
was on a, went on a fast. And I have a friend of mine that just started coming to the church. And he said, Pastor Bobby, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah. He said, can I ask you an honest question? I was like, yeah, what's the question? He goes, okay, this whole fasting thing, like you guys do it way different than, than the church I was going to. I was like, oh, okay, cool. He goes, can I, real personal question. And I was offended at first. He goes, do you brush your teeth when you fast? I brush my teeth all the time. I don't want, especially now more than I wear a mask. Y'all notice that? It's like four packs of gum a day. Man, I need some double mint, like right now, because it's like, <sighs> I can't imagine when everybody around you is like, oh my gosh, like, does he know? Now I do. But, but he, said, he said, there's certain organization, churches, that believe that if you fast and you, you brush your teeth, you've broken your fast, or if you take a mint or you take a cough drop. And I'm saying, nay, nay. I'm saying, I want you to brush your teeth. I want you to put some deodorant on. I want you to fix your hair. I want you to put some clean clothes, wash them things, okay? It goes back to what we were saying about before. Remember, who was, who was he talking to? He was talking to hypocrites that were doing everything for the outward appearance. And God says, I'm not worried about the outside. I'm worried about what's going on the inside. So brush your teeth, brush your teeth. Say it with me, brush your teeth. Yeah, thank you. It's not a legalistic, I, I've, I went on a three-day fast one day, and, and if you've ever been on a fast, I went on a three-day fast one time, and I was going to try not to do anything, like no, just water, right? Just no food. No. And I came to the office, and I had this horrific headache, and I'm addicted to, not as much as I used to be, but I'm addicted to caffeine. The support group starts tomorrow night. <laughs> so the first thing I did was I went to the coffee pot, and and I'm thinking, oh, I screwed up. I'm going to hell now because I drank coffee. No. You know what I did? Just start it over. Okay? I'm done with this. I'm going I'm to I'm pick up where I left off. Because it's not a legalistic ritual. It's a faith. It's a thing. It's a discipline of our faith. And God's trying to... And so it, if we're connecting with God, all the other stuff is kind of secondary in the situation. So I'm going to give you some practicals, okay? This is like painstakingly practical because we're going to do it as a church. Okay, so next week, I'm going to tell you about next week we're going to do it as a church. All right, here's the practicals. Start with a 24-hour fast, okay? Don't start with a 40-day fast. As a matter of fact, in my lifetime, I've only known one person to successfully do a 40-day fast, and it was because God told me to do it, and it was my dad. It was before we moved down here in 1988. He was praying about leaving his job and leaving a, a great church and being a church planner down here. And it's the only time I've ever known anybody going on a 40-day fast outside the Bible. And my dad will tell you that it's not a bed of roses. It's not easy. He struggled the whole time. But at the end of it, he finally got what he was needing, and that was confirmation to come down here. But like, like, just normal, like us normal people, what I would recommend you do, like don't eat dinner, like eat dinner, like say Monday night, eat dinner, and then just don't eat breakfast and lunch the next day and then eat dinner on Tuesday. So you're only really missing really two meals. And do that and, and give that a try. And I would do that several times. I would do it, you know, maybe do it for a year or something like, you know, once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, do that. 
and see what God starts to do in you. And then if God leads you to do a three, then by all means, do a three or a seven. And if you're really super spiritual and like this guy up here and God tells you to do a 40, big stuff going on, by all means, do it. But start small. Don't try to start, which leads me to the second thing. Drink plenty of fluids. And, and, and when I talk about fluids, I mean water, okay? Some people drink juice. I don't care. I'm not legalistic. But I will tell you what not to do by way of a story. I was working out. It was a long time ago. I saw some of you looking. And so I go to the gym and I decide the first day back to the gym, by the way, I'm going to do the whole circuit training. I'm going to do three of these, three of these, three of these, three of these, three of these. In an hour, I'm going to be out of this place. An hour later, I found myself in, a, um, in an ambulance because I walked out of the Y and I passed out face first on a Ford pickup truck. <laughs> so the guy, in, he was doing his job. My filter is at zero normal times. And when I'm fasting, I was fasting at the time, my, it's extra zero, okay? So the guy says, have you been hydrating all day long? And I said, yes, I have been. He said, how many, how many glasses of water? How many ounces of water have you drank today? And I said, None. He said, what have you been hydrating with? I think he was thinking Powerade. And I said, I was hydrating with Diet Coke. <laughs> Apparently, there's something in Diet Coke that when you're not eating, it depletes you of all your sugar stuff and you face full of Ford pickup truck, okay? So drink lots, hydrate a lot, okay? Water, so for that period of time. And let me, while we're talking about this, if you, when you, when you, not if you, when you fast, break your fast intelligently. So if you're going to fast Monday, you're going to eat dinner, eat something good, right? And Tuesday, don't break a fast with chili. or Doritos. <laughs> Break your fast something intelligent. That's all I'm going to say on it, okay? And then make it a habit. And I love the way Daniel says it. Make it a habit. Fast something that's special to you once a month. Like if you really like whatever, pizza, like this month, I'm going to fast pizza. Or if you really like steak, this month I'm going to, and do it once a month, and then fast something else the next month. It comes from Daniel. I'm, gonna read, I'm almost done here. It says, I ate no delicacies, no meat, no wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. For once in a while, just do, just, man, sacrifice for the big cause of getting to know God just a little bit more. And here's the last thing. We'll close right here. Expect results, but just don't expect them immediately. Sometimes it's months, just like prayer. Sometimes it's months before we get answers. But I can promise you that when we fast, God moves. When we do it the right way with the right motives, God's going to do something supernatural. So here's what we're going to do. Next Tuesday, this Tuesday and next Thursday, we're going to fast as a church. I'm going to ask you to choose one of the two days, right? And I'm going to ask you, don't be legalistic. If you have a lunch appointment already planned, you don't have to go and tell your boss that you have to cancel your whole schedule because you're fasting. Like Alan did a little while ago to me. Alan comes up, you know we have uh, lunch appointments Tuesday and Thursday. I'm like, okay, do it Wednesday then. We're not going to be legalistic, okay? But this is what we're going to do. As a faith community, 
Tuesday or Thursday, we're gonna fast. I'm gonna ask you guys to give up something. You do your fast, I'll do my fast. I'm gonna probably do mine, no dinner, or dinner to dinner the next day. You do, skip breakfast. Do something. If you've never done it, do something, okay? And this is what we're gonna concentrate on. We're gonna pray for these. For the physical health of our world, praying for those who have been physically affected by the virus. And I would say this, call, call people out by name that you know. Like everybody in this room has been at some point in this last couple months impacted by COVID. Let's call those names out. Let's, let's call out the, the medical workers' names. Let's, let's just blanket AU and doctor's hospital and people that we know that are nurses, hey, teachers, students, administrators. Let, let's just blanket. Let's, let's pray for them. Here's the second thing. I want you to pray because this is the big area that we're seeing. You may be not seeing that this COVID thing has really impacted the mental health of people. Quarantine and and this whole shelter in place has really messed with people's mind. We're, we're having lots of, lots of discussion with people that are really struggling through all this. They don't know how to um, control that. So we say it all the time around here. It's okay not to be okay. And in this situation, it's okay not to be okay. Call us. But let's fast about it too. Let's fast for our, our brothers and sisters, our moms and dads, and all that kind of stuff. The third thing is, let's pray for our campuses, specifically our Sherwood campus. Now, I'm gonna tell you a real quick story. I went down there last week. That's why I wasn't here. And I witnessed three first-time things at Sherwood, okay? The first thing is they had worship for the very first time live down there and a live communicator. So Greg and Whitney are worship leaders down there that you see sometimes here. They're leading worship down there. They led worship down there. It was amazing. And then Keith Walton, our pastor down there, our campus pastor, got up and spoke an amazing message. I mean, it was, it was killer, right? So that was the first time we've ever done that. The second thing is I gotta be a part of this. We have never, we did it here as a faith community. We have never done communion down there. So it was the first time that we were able to do communion as a faith, as a faith community. And the coolest of all of them there's this kid the week before I, I, sh I shared with your, this service here and the, a kid named Corey asked Christ to be his, his savior down there on uh, two weeks ago, right? And he goes to Keith, Pastor Keith, and he goes, I wanna get baptized now. So guess who got to baptize this guy? So it's the first baptism in our Sherwood campus down there. And I'm telling you, it is super, super cool. And then on top of that, we started this little church with 16 people back right before COVID. We got it up to a little number, but this past week we had 94 people at church. That's amazing right there. So, but, but the enemy's not, the enemy's not happy. And so let's pray over that campus. Let's pray over this campus. And then lastly, let's do this. Let's pray for our 930 um, direction for us as a church, as we move forward through COVID, as a people, as just everything, marriages, all that kind of stuff, that we would do that together. So Tuesday or Thursday, it's going to be on all the social media outlets. I think Alan's going to talk about that in a second. But before we go, I just want to pray, okay? We had a lot of information today. Today was more teaching. Next week, I'll do my T.D. Jakes impersonation and we'll be fine. But this week, we had to talk about this. It's so important and it's timely in the world that we live in. Somebody say amen to that. It's timely. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and I thank you for this moment right here. I know you're a big God and I've watched you personally over the last 30 years work in my life and through my life through this thing called fasting. I pray that God, not just the discipline of fasting, but this would be a thing that we would draw, make, make us draw closer to you. The ultimate goal is to know, is, is really to, to know you more, to engage, to engage ourselves in the process of knowing who Jesus is. And so I pray that you would do that through this thing called fasting. I pray that there would be a synergy, and I pray that we would see God move. You move, God, in a way we've never seen you move. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.